the epic return of Game Face Radio 629-2008, episode 32. I'm Croy Kaze, and as always, I'm here with Sign of Zeta. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. We're here to be the, the emissaries of the video game anime lifestyle. And uh, if you're into the hottest, newest shit, uh, go somewhere else. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Episode over. <laughs> see, you, see you later, entire listening audience. Now, um, we got uh, quite a bit to cover today, and we're going to do that as efficiently as possible. So I'm going to start it off with Zeta, and he's going to tell us what he's been playing. Okay, you know what? Um, I haven't been playing that much. Because uh, mostly I'm going to talk about anime stuff today. However, one thing that if you're very uh, if you're very hardworking and bootlegging stuff, one thing you have to absolutely check out is Neo DS, which is a Neo Geo emulator for the DS. That is, it's not 100% perfect, but it is incredibly impressive. Um, basically, it uh, it's a Neo Geo emulator for a DS, so you need a flash card. Uh, the games have to be unzipped, and therefore huge. And like A lot of them are bigger than the actual DS games. So you kind of have to like have a good-sized card, and if you're going to have more than two games on it. Uh, it runs so smooth, especially for early release, that I've never seen anything like it. It really shows like how much a better understanding your average guy has of hardware, like console hardware. Uh, specifics nowadays like it doesn't run every game perfectly but certain games are extremely impressive especially metal slug x it runs with virtually no slowdown and there's like the laser sound effect is missing but like that's about it i mean i'm not even sure why the laser sound effect is missing but it is absolutely amazing the uh, resolution is a little bit higher on neo geo so you can either run it scaled or slightly zoomed in cropping off like 15 pixels around the edge and it works pretty good either way i play the uh i play like super baseball 2020 slightly zoomed so that's like actual resolution so you're missing the outside and that works pretty good but if you're playing something where you need to see your your meters or score or something you probably want to play it zoomed in um i'm not even sure what the official site is but it's, it's really really impressive uh, to be able to play an actual, like, full Neo Geo game on a handheld system. And I'm not talking about Neo Geo Pocket, I'm talking about Neo Geo MVS, King of Fighters 99, and all that stuff. Very amazing. There's a there's a bit of a laborious procedure you have to go through to, like, treat the ROMs with this little, like, preparing program and everything. And so probably they'll eliminate the need to do that eventually, kind of like how MAME used to require drivers. Um, or probably this might already exist but on like some BitTorrent tracker there'll be like a perfect zip file with absolutely everything in it um already prepared for you and everything <laughs> that would be pretty good i think um that's pretty impressive and as far as like old neo geo games i mean i think my recommendation is probably kof 97 yeah if i had to yeah. pick just one I haven't actually tried that on Neo GS, uh, Neo DS. It probably works, but I don't know. Ninety eight works really good. Um, Ninety eight's good too. Yeah, 
well, like everything, I think, pretty much pre-Strikers. Yeah, yeah. Not a big fan of Strikers myself um, at all. Especially, like, teams that have, like, Iori and three Strikers. <laughs> like, I, hate, mm-hmm. I hate that team, man. <laughs> it's just stuff to make combos infinite. It's really annoying. Um, okay, so the other big thing that happened, I was walking through Best Buy. And I knew this was coming out, but it slipped my mind because so much stuff comes out. And there it was sitting on the shelf, Beast King Go Lion. And Go Lion is the giant robot show that eventually became Voltron for the U.S. This being the Lion Voltron and not the vehicular Voltron, which is Deruger 15, which evidently is also going to come out. Um, so this is unmitigated uh, Go Lion. No plot changes no censoring or whatever. And um, two two things. Okay, this show is unspeakably violent. <laughs> it is so disturbingly violent that I kind of find it amazing that the American producers ever watched this show and went, American kids need to see this. Okay. Um, the most prominent change that most American kids n- know about and was uh, the character uh, Quiet, who's known as Sven and given this crazy Norwegian accent from the American version. Uh, he's like the original Blue Lion pilot, and he breaks his leg or something in like episode six or five or something, and then the princess takes over the job for the rest of the series. And even as a kid, and I was like 10 when this show came out, okay, even as a kid, I knew that guy was dead. I don't know how I knew it, because this was before I understood that things got messed up when they translated shit. But somehow I knew that guy was dead, because he never came back. And they managed to, like, cut him into a later episode as he visited. Hey, guys, I'm back, you know. But even that looked out of place to me. Um, so in this version, yeah, he, he dies. He gets a run through with a fucking spear, and they show him in the casket at his funeral and everything. And all that stuff was cut out of the American one. But my favorite moment of uh, unbelievable violence is like, <laughs> okay, um, it's it's it it this they're on the planet um, Altea or whatever, and they show all these villagers. This planet's constantly being attacked by the evil emperor, right? And they show all these villagers, and uh, they're walking around the village, and and they notice that the sky is kind of getting dark. They're like, man, the sky is kind of getting dark, you know, and it starts raining, and. The rain is red. And then they cut back to the castle where um, the princess is looking out the window and she's ever ambivalent and stupid and uh, totally, totally clueless. And uh, she looks at the rain and she says, well, the rain is so pretty and red. It's just like strawberry juice. And the military advisor leans over and he says, it's not strawberry juice, princess. It's human blood. And then it goes back to the town. And they show, like, this guy, and he's, like, it's a low camera angle, and he's, like, all ready to fall over, and he's covered in this human blood. And he's, like, it's raining blood. It's the end of times. And then he bursts into flames. <laughs> and the whole city starts burning. And it's, like, holy shit. This is the most violent thing Whoa. I own. I don't own any DVDs this violent. This is it. This is, like, The Exorcist. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, oh, that's fantastic! That <laughs> yeah. really is. That's yeah, exceptionally good. He's covered in blood, and then only he explodes. to burst into flames. 
<laughs> and then yeah. uh, there's another there's another section which is like um, there's the, the emperor has he's, he is an emperor after all so he's conquered all sorts of planets and one of these planets kind of looks like Persia world okay and the uh, emperor there on the planet the local emperor whatever the king he's a total like uh, puppet of the of the evil emperor and pretty much hates his own people as far as I can tell he's kind of like a it's kind of like somebody in the United States would install into a country in order to, you know, control it. Manuel Noriega or Augusta Pinochet and people like that. Um, so he's he's like, I want to prove to the emperor how loyal I am. So he has his slaves build this massive statue of, of the emperor. So the emperor comes to the planet to see the statue because he's so happy about this. And he's like, man, I really like the statue, but all the slaves are still cleaning up afterwards, you know? And he's like, it really disgusts me to think that these people built this thing. And he's like, well, that's okay, I'll just kill them. And he's like, well, you can't just kill them. Because <laughs> you see, he's an expert on, like, throwing people to the lions or whatever. So they come up with this contest. They bury all the slaves in the sand up into their head. And they have all the evil emperor's people, those little soldiers with their scimitars, run out and see... Who can cut the most heads off? And when they do, the one that gets the most heads, he gets to have the livers and the thigh meat. <laughs> Whoa. But but in this case in this case, um the the uh the space explorers or whatever do intervene and, and save all the people. However, um that so, isn't that doesn't understate how incredibly nasty that concept yeah, is. So wait, 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 wait. Like the evil guys are cannibals? Like they're going to eat the people after they kill them? Uh kinda, yeah. They're not exactly the same species as the like the Persia planet people were humans and the Emperor people are like these lizard people. But yeah, oh, they okay. were gonna they were gonna eat them, yeah. So it's strictly it's not technically cannibalism, but since they are like sentient bipeds with speech and everything, it's kinda like cannibalism. I, I'm not up on my my Voltron. Yeah, they're Lizos. like purple lizard people. Oh, okay. Kinda, yeah. Okay, I got gotcha uh, you here. So it's um it's still super disturbing, and there are several scenes of like severed heads and stuff when the when Prince uh, Cycling is that his name? I don't know. Comes back from his like tour around the universe, blowing up planets. He comes back with like this huge handheld platform full of heads, and he's like, "I've brought you the heads of all the evil people." So it's uh unbelievably violent um but yet still charming it does have probably the coolest robot ever made in the uh in the in the staring role this uh collection is only 20 bucks and it has 18 episodes on it so it's it's worth it for a lark if you want to see something really violent from the 80s yeah like that's that's actually very intriguing um i remember as a kid i actually didn't like voltron because i got very annoyed that Voltron didn't just have the blazing sword all the time because mm-hmm. it always won. Like it was a hundred percent chance of winning. No one ever survived it. Or he you know, he'd just shoot his arms right through people and oh, kill yeah, them. Yeah, there was that one, yeah. And it was like well, okay, first of all, why not always travel around as Voltron instead of travelling around as lions? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't seem that there's any time limit involved. And two, why not have the blazing sword out or just throw your hands off at the first sign of an enemy like well, you know, because um, it always works the um the thing about this one i noticed is it's a very um 
like enemy of the day kind of a show. There's always a new, well, they call them row beast in the American version, but they're called death black beast men in the, in the Japanese version. Um, <laughs> uh, because that's more violent. <laughs> uh, it seems almost like the fights are a bit less formulaic in this one. And it, and that might be true because there was a lot of editing from the American version. Of this I haven't watched the American version in a while, except for a couple of episodes last year when the DVDs came out. But there are obviously entire episodes in the original series that, that just can't be salvaged. I mean, I don't know how many of them, but the one with the raining blood and everything, I was like, I don't, there might be a few clips in there. You could construct an episode from later. And I do remember some episodes of Voltron, they were, they were pretty much totally plotless. And I thought maybe they just compiled them from random footage and made filler episodes. And those would definitely be very formulaic. Because I remember there's one where they're all like basically sitting around the castle and they all start talking about like, you know, Emperor Zarkon's a real asshole. And so like, yeah. And then they just like get in the line and they go attack him. Like out of the blue <laughs> for like no reason. And I'm thinking like that whole thing is just like weird, you know, like, and it, and it's got a lot of animation mistakes. This one still has animation mistakes, but, um, I think you only, you only see them once cause they're not recycling footage quite as often. I'm really interested to see the rest of this cause I think there's probably going to be like three, uh, three sets like this. Cause I think it's almost 50 episodes cause back in the day, all shows ran like at least 47 episodes or something like that. Because they just didn't wow. want to. Okay, that's that's probably more Voltron than anyone needed, but that was still pretty entertaining. Okay, well, what else the, you got? Well, when I bought this thing, I looked on the back of the box, and uh, it says, um, "It says in memory of Oda King Steve Pearl for the love of old school, 1965 to 2007." And this I found kind of surprising because I didn't know anything about uh, this, but um, I mean, I didn't know anything about him dying, but basically. Um, Steve Pearl was one of those guys from like the late eighties, early nineties, who was like the guy to go to, to get your fan subs. And, uh, he was, if you ever remember the records anime, um, use group, like he was the moderator there and the keeper of the fact and all that stuff. And when you, when you go to like uh, conventions and stuff, he'd be there on panels and everything. And evidently his, uh, his, uh, like lifelong diabetes got the best of him and totally kicked his ass last year, which kind of sucks because he's not really that old. Um, <laughs> and I didn't expect to see something like that, but, um, that reminded me of, uh, back in those times you would need people like him were like the dude because you, you know, you couldn't just download fans. I was even like, if you mention a show, just tell me a name of a show. I can be watching it in half an hour. But back then, it was like something you heard about in a photocopied fanzine, and you 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 drive for like five years to get a copy. I mean, seriously, it would take you that long to get it. And uh, it it's it's kind of nice in a way that we don't need people like that anymore, because you can buy everything at the store and you can download everything from BitTorrent trackers if it hasn't come out at the store yet. Um, however, there's there's something. It was it was more impressive to you know look for something for five years and then finally get it and go whoa I was wondering about this, um, because uh, you know things were a hell of a lot uh, different back then, as I'm sure you remember from getting you know fifteen tapes of Dragon Ball at the same on the same day one day or something like that, because VHS was like this awesome thing you'd be like more tapes. <laughs>
Whereas now I'm trying to figure out what to do with them all. What do I do with all these tapes? You know, like, talking about tapes, it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, when I first got into fan subs. Like, I kind of heard about them a little bit on the internet because I was kind of back online back then. It was like 1996, maybe. Uh, I'd watched, you know, some stuff at the local Blockbuster, but I wanted to get my hands on some, you know, hot new shizzle. So I looked up online, and I don't n remember the name of the site or whatever, but I do remember I ordered Vision of Escaflone because it was a relatively short series. It was only six VHS tapes, and the tapes were $7 a piece. So for 42 bucks. I could get an entire series, which was a steal considering anime at the time was like thirty bucks a tape or something yeah, retarded. Yeah. Well, that 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 so. that laserdisc box is like, I think there's two of them, and running you like four to six hundred dollars, right? Depending. So, you know. I was like, okay, you know, this is something I can I can check out. So I got the tapes, and it was by this fan sub group called Hecto. Mm -hmm. and Hecto had a terrible reputation back in the day which was very well earned <laughs> <laughs> like from from scene to scene people's names would change they would be spelled completely different uh, there were copious misspellings like weird like janglish language um, uh, mistimed subs like subs would blip by <laughs> and you couldn't, you know, you'd have to pause to read what the guy was saying. Um, or sometimes they would they would just come, like, way early. Like, you'd see, look out, and it would just be people walking around, standing there, and then, like, all of a sudden a missile would hit, like, ten seconds later. <laughs> it was, yeah, like, yeah. really, really the worst fan subs I've ever seen in my life. But even when I trashed my whole VHS collection when I moved to Chicago, I kept those six tapes just kind of as a memoriam to my, my fan subbing days. I was never real big into owning and pretty much borrowed from the, the people that, that did. I mean, I had a modest collection of like maybe a hundred tapes or something, but I mean, a hundred tapes will like barely cover just Dragon Ball Z by itself. <laughs> so, I mean, I had to borrow a lot, a lot of tapes from people that had better paying jobs and more steady income yeah but, um I, I still have those those hecto tapes hecto was my... uh, famous for speed over accuracy like when when a show came out i mean if you think about it nowadays like someone captures the feed off japanese satellite probably it's all automated <laughs> and then then they get it in the u.s and they i mean it's like was it three hours for a naruto episode it's like probably. really fast but if you don't have the internet, how long does it take to... You have to find somebody in Japan to tape this thing for you. On the Super VHS, of course. And because Hecto did stuff straight from TV. Whereas, like, the more reputable places would wait. Well, they, they might do it from TV, but they'd do it again when the Laserdisc came out to get you better quality. But, okay, so the thing airs on Japanese TV. Then it has to, like, actually get on a plane and, and come to the United States. And then it has to, like, be translated by hand. And all the subtitles have to be put in, and then even to subtitle it has to go in real time through a through a Genlock and an ancient Amiga, and all that other stuff. 
different. Yeah, I never actually did understand that. Like, what is the the mechanism for for analog putting subtitles on a What's funny on an it, episode of anime back then? I, don't, I always knew they used Amigas, but I don't know how it works. I actually have an entire fan subbing setup um, because of one extremely small production fan sub we distributed uh, Nasca the Valley of Wind like a year before Disney released it. Uh, finally, it was a 20-year-old movie by then, but anyway, what you'd need is um, the source, which was Laserdisc up until, you know, the internet, and, or taped off Japanese TV. And then you need um, a computer that would sequence a script, and they used to do it with Amigas, but when it really exploded in, like, the late 90s, by then they were using a Windows program called uh, Substation Alpha, which is a which is a program like designed specifically for subtitling anime, so it doesn't have any incredibly pro features you're never gonna understand to confuse you. And then you someone takes the script and they format it in this SSA format, and then you need a box called a well called a Genlock, and the one that everybody tends to use or used back then was a Televised Pro, which I have one of these. It was not quite pro grade. It was pro, but it wasn't totally pro. So it didn't cost fifty grand, and 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 you could get one from like a uh, a cable access station or a Christian TV channel or something like that. They'd have these things laying around because they were like very low end. And what it basically allows you to do is chroma key the layer that has the titles on it, and then it you plug the um, the lasers player and into it, and then it muxes the f- feed from your VGA and the NTSC feed from the Laserdisc together so that the titles go over the top of the video. And then you have to record that in real time. And back then they would use Super VHS for their master. And then when they would go to make more copies for everybody else, they'd usually put it down to a regular VHS. Although a few super nerds, that that's when you would have like these distribution cells like Al-Qaeda. <laughs> and that would be somebody like Steve Pearl's, Pearl's job is he would get all these SVHS things from distributors like new type anime and central anime and stuff. And then you could either get the tapes from the original suburb or the distro. And a lot of times it was popular to get them from the distro because people felt that that made the actual suburb more immune from legal prosecution. Do you remember jailed? (laughs) That was like an industry effort from Viz and a few other companies to like shut down fan subbing. As you can see, it didn't work in the anime industry is ruined. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as you can see, it failed and and everything turned out great (laughs) for all the anime companies and the fan subbers and everything's fine. Uh, All the forums that I'm on has like a a very active like anime thread. There's a little bit of an anime community there and like everyone in it talks about all the stuff they buy and like post deals on where to get cheap DVDs and this and that and I'm just like, wow, people are still paying for anime i guess that's cool i think it's i think it's massively (laughs) down i get the feeling that it's down just judging from the size of the section at your average store and also um i haven't been to a con in a while but the last con i went to was 94 i went to otakon 94 no 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 no, my friend 2004 (laughs) sorry i got that decade like no i went in 2004 and it was big it was really big but um I wonder if they're as big now as they were even in 2004. Well, I, that segues nicely. I will bring you a special report Ooh. because Kuroi Kaze is going to return to an anime con. It's been 
five years, I think, since I've been to one. <laughs> and it was the strangest thing. Like, I'm sitting around, I'm, you know, hanging, and my wife just turns to me. She's like, you know, I think I want to go to an anime con. And, like, my wife has only even heard of anime through me, and, like, I don't know why she wants to go. She said it's a cheap vacation, and, you know, she wants to a little well, bit less compared stress. Compared to Vegas, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean... I spent far more money on vacations, but uh, yeah, she like just wants to blow like two or three hundred bucks on a weekend and go to an anime con, and she's been very gung ho about it, which is just really bizarre to me. But it's it's confirmed. I mean, I've got the hotel and I've paid my entrance fee, so like I I will be attending Anime Iowa 2008, uh, August 15th and 16th or whatever, and I have really no idea like what exactly it's going to be like just because it's been so long you know I don't know if anything's changed but it looks like they do have a video game room they brought it back I remember you and I were strong armed one year at Anime Iowa with no video game room they got rid of us oh no 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 not them you're thinking of Central no, I thought Iowa got rid of theirs too. No, and um, we we always did the game room at Anime Iowa for several years, and then by, yeah, you did by it for so many years, and then they just stopped having one. Like I said, they just like no, well, no more game room. If they did, then I don't think I was there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were. I'm pretty sure I talked to you about it, and I was oh, like, "What's the deal?" And I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, it, at this point, I'm I have absolutely no idea who's on the staff at that convention. And yeah. it could have been everyone was replaced, and then the original guys came back. For all I know, I have no idea. Actually, I have been trying to get a hold of um, somebody who used to be on staff at Anime Iowa because um, his town got flooded, and I was trying to see, you know, like, hey, he's still yeah, there. Yeah, Cedar Rapids. Basically, what I really wanted to know was, are your fan subs okay? <laughs> or are they in the basement underwater? Uh, Is that that guy with the huge library? Yeah, he has a pretty big library, yeah. And the, the he has like a Jufro. Yeah, he's got uh yeah he's got pins on his hat. Okay, yeah, I know exactly who that guy is. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah he's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. See, as you can tell, you know, Kaz and Zeta, they used to be big shots of the Midwest conventions. <laughs> you know, we had yeah. connections, and we you know we did run the the game room, especially Zeta. I mean, he really did most of the work. I just helped babysit and fix things when they broke and reset systems when they crashed um and i you know i i i and team pure we partied around then so like and i think you've you've traveled america a bit didn't it didn't you just going from con to con yeah well i never used I, it was always east coast except for chicago and anime iowa because they were they were considered close chicago was like my god that's close it's only like five or six hours away <laughs> Because I'm used to getting in a car, you know, and driving a thousand miles to get to a thing. And you guys would drag like six TVs in your car, and well, we tried to get the TVs to be provided by people locally, and that's a lot easier. Because TVs yeah. take up crazy space. But I remember bringing a a TV and two systems to Anime Iowa for, to to contribute mm -hmm. one year, and it, even just bringing one TV was an inordinate pain in the ass. Yeah, they're huge. Uh. Very big. <laughs> That's a great argument for projectors and LCDs. <laughs> They're so much more compact. Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, so I I'm gonna make my my return. I don't expect anyone to recognize me. I don't expect anyone to know who I am or give a shit about my existence. Make no mistake. I know where I am. I know I know where I sit on the totem pole of even D-list con celebrities. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even speaking. Don't of which, even make the the of list which, there. Uh, Steve Bennett made an appearance uh, not far from my hometown <laughs> recently. Uh, Dalem was organizing a uh, anime festival at the theater, and uh, they managed to get him to come up. And unfortunately, I had to work the weekend, and I couldn't go meet him. Uh, but I, I guess he went to sleep at like 10 o'clock with no booze. So he's old and over the hill way more than us. <laughs> no more uh, no more hitting on 14-year-old yeah, girls all that night. must have been that. There weren't any you know underage girls around to motivate him to stay awake. Like <laughs> what, What's even his purpose now? Because Studio Iron Cat's like long gone. Um, so I don't even know, I'm not what, sure, you know how he would even get like a guest pass. He's going to be Just, doing something... He's going to be doing something with some company that he's starting, I think. I think he's got something going on. All right. Well, anyway, that's that's enough about Steve Bennett. And uh, <laughs> just for anyone that ever did go to Anime Iowa, if you remember anything about a evil giant Cabot guy that caused a lot of trouble one year, uh, that would be me. Just in case. Yeah, you know, I actually I actually found a photograph of you the other day in your uh, DigiCarrot thing. Oh, this wasn't in the DigiCare. This was actually yeah, a this full was on, yeah, but yeah, Cabot from Tenshi. It was a full body, like huge, expensive suit that my friend won in an auction, like a live auction, and he was wearing it around or whatever. And I asked him if I could borrow it because I wanted to see if you know girls could separate the character of the costume from the character of the person inside it. How you know abusive I could be. And, uh, yeah, turns out you can be as abusive as you want if you are in a giant, cuddly costume. And there's no repercussions. Thank you, Professor Kaze. <laughs> so I probably won't be doing anything that cool this year, but, you know, if you're there. And uh, I will bring my Game Face Radio shirt. So if mm. you do happen to recognize the logo, feel free to come up and say what's up. And, like, for some mysterious reason, my wife wants to cosplay. And I can't emphasize how weird this is. She's so straight-laced. Not an anime fan at all. It's so strange. But she has a, a Japanese schoolgirl outfit put together that she's going to wear. And uh, so if you see me, I'm not with an underage girl. That's actually my wife. Um, I don't. I can't fathom what has come over her. She's not like, 29, is she? <laughs> no. Okay. No, she's uh, 29 25. does weird things to women. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just can't understand it. She doesn't even like anime that much. It's so weird. She's never, you know, been to an anime website even one time. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe she's like a fucking Yahweh fan site eight hours a day at work. I don't know. Most but likely. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, let me, let me, speaking of anime, I guess I should cover real quickly uh, what I've been watching. Uh, I gave a spin to Ergo Proxy, which is a, like, dark, futuristic, depressing, robot, drama, something. <laughs> if you love stuff like Serial Experiment Lane, <laughs> and, like, you know, you like to be, like, have information withheld from you until the last three episodes of things, then 
this is right up your alley. Like, you won't know what the shit is going on about fuck anything until the end of the series. I, frankly, am fatigued of this kind of show uh, because, like, any Japanese movie or Japanese show, like, there's so many of these kinds of things in the Japan culture that I'm burnt out. I've seen hundreds of them, and they rarely end well. I rarely feel satisfied. But the problem with this show is that it's so incredible to look at and so beautifully done. So you're looking at all this really great stuff, and it's very, you know, enticing. And you think, oh, wow, there's going to be something great here when we peel back the layers. But I just I couldn't force myself to sit through all of it. And no one, nothing that anyone had to say about it made me want to sit through to the end of it. No one was like, it's my favorite show. I highly recommend watching it all. No, not at all. But if you really like Lane and other very existential ghost in the machine like type stuff, then yeah, this is going to be great. You need to check that out right away. It's all about Ergo Proxy because it's a beautiful show. It looks fantastic. Animation is great. Character designs are cool. Everything's nice about Ergo Proxy. So after running away from that, I needed some more standard fare. And I remember uh, at an anime con I was at in like 2002, I had seen the first four episodes of this show called Scrapped Princess. And I remember being somewhat entertained by it, like having a good time watching it, and I just never got back to it. So I decided to download that, and as soon as I mentioned that I was watching it, a lot of people were like, oh, that's one of my favorite shows ever. Oh, it's a great show. It's a fantastic show. And sure enough, I will confirm that. Scrap Princess gets definitely a big recommendation for me. It's old, but it's really aged well. You don't feel, like, old and, and crappy watching it, and you won't be miserable. And, and I mean, it's just it's a really well-told story if you ever kind of ran a, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign it also <laughs> might appeal to you because it's set in that kind of medieval world and I mean I, I don't know I really enjoy it I really thought Scrap Princess was great I'm like the last three episodes it's only 26 eps so it's a short watch you know you'll blaze through it in no time and it's a great show two thumbs up I even give it three thumbs up mm. well yeah uh and then, let's see. And the one other thing I want to mention is the manga Monster was highly recommended to me. And I decided to give that a check out. Monster, and I'm going to try this. I'm going to warn you. To even tell you what it's about, to try to entice you, I'm going to have to spoil a little bit of the first few chapters. But it seems to be kind of long. So, you know bear with me here. If you want to know nothing about Monster and just want my recommendation, you're going to have to fast forward now because I'm going to go. Essentially, what it's about, it's the story of a doctor that is Japanese that is a brain surgeon that lives in Germany. And one day, um, a prominent political figure gets hurt, but he's already supposed to work on a little boy that was found shot in the head in his house and his whole family was dead except for his sister who was catatonic. He decides to forget about the political figure and save the little boy. And so the little boy and the little girl, he saves them, does the right thing. His career super fails as a result. 
and like everything's going terrible for him. Um, mysteriously, all the people that were screwing him over die, <laughs> and the little boy and little girl disappear. And essentially, it turns out that the little boy had poisoned the people that had wronged this doctor. And as he finds out more and more, the boy is a complete psychopath and shouldn't have been saved. Mm. And the manga, you know, kind of runs from there. Like I said, that kind of spoils a little bit of the setup, like, but now you can see how incredibly intriguing this could go, you know? Yeah, well, you, you almost have to spoil stuff sometimes. Like, for example, um, Initial D has a big, sort of a big surprise. But it's revealed in, like, the second episode. So, honestly, it's, you're kind of spoiling it, but it's the second episode. I mean, if you're yeah, going like, you're already going to know it by the time the second series. episode anyway, so, you know, spoil it. Yeah, so Monster has a decent art style, um, and it's, it's conveyed well. It's, it seems cleverly written, and... I mean, I got nothing bad to say about it so far. I think I'm, like, four volumes into it. So, I mean, I, I highly suggest checking it out. It's definitely hooked me, and the people that have finished it, uh, you know, have nothing but excellent things to say about it. So, that's uh, that's my anime and manga tip. Now, I think uh, we're ready to transition into video games here a bit. Well, I have a, you... I have a console quirks thing here. I just well, that's, that's in the video game. Very simple section. one. It's a very simple one. Um, so what are we doing? We're doing games now? Yeah, I think okay. we can move into video um, games. Recently, um, if you have a DS flashcard, then you may have noticed that even though the software is pretty good, the hardware is sometimes a piece of shit. Um, on mine, I have a Cyclo DS, and I have difficulties with getting the card to be recognized. Um, one of the problems is the sticker peels off the back and it gets really difficult to take it in and out of the machine. And also it doesn't recognize the card and you end up with like a sort of a Sega Saturn experience where you're fucking around with this chain, trying to get it to, you know, rebooting it a hundred times, trying to get it to be recognized. And I figured out a quasi fix for this. And like the Neo Geo Pocket one, it also involves a piece of paper. <laughs> Ooh. So you have to take the uh, sticker completely off the um, the card, which is not easy. You're going to need some goo gone and some care, and don't soak it in goo gone completely because the, the ROM chip on the Cyclo DS is um, not covered in anything except the sticker. So it's difficult to get it completely off. When you get it completely off, there'll be four little screws. And I've got a feeling this is a similar case design to other flashcards. I could be wrong, but I've got a feeling they're all pretty close. Take the screws out, take it in half, and you notice the PCB in there is really freaking thin. So you take a piece of paper, I like to use brown paper, because it has a springy thickness to it. And uh, I believe I folded it, used two layers, between the back of the PCB without the copper contacts on it and the case. And then I put it together, and what that basically does is it makes the end that has the, the pins on it slightly thicker. And since I've done this, and now it's harder to get the card in the machine. But once you get it, like, situated just right, it recognizes it every time I turn it on. Whereas before, I'd turn it on and I'd see Cyclo DS in my main screen. And I'd pick it and run it. I could shut it off again, turn it on again, and it would be gone, even though I didn't even move the cartridge. 
So this seems to have improved reliability a little bit. It costs nothing except a strip of a paper bag and a screwdriver. I will say that um, as an M3 owner, I really don't have this issue so much. Like the, the DS slot card is fine and the GBA slot one is a little finicky, but like a reinsert or two will pretty much make it reliably work for a long time. Um, the only issue I've had is like I routinely back up my G my DS saves to my computer in case of calamity. Which, which you've is experienced good already. <laughs> because two times it is calamitously like <laughs> Frag it, fr it. The saves are all there, but for some reason the DS stops being able to read them. So all my games like start over, like they have no data in them. Mm. Even though the saves are on the card, like for some reason it just it can't read them correctly. And I just all I do is I copy the directory back over, and everything's all good. Which kind of brings me to a game that is very tough to get to work with the DS, which is the world ends with you. Um, and when I mean the DS, I mean, like, the, the hacked DS. But essentially, like, this game has this really, like, long animated intro that causes flashcards to lock up. <laughs> and some guy figured out the way to defeat it is you just keep opening and closing your DS during the intro, and that flushes some buffer that yeah, gets overfull. Yeah, it sounds like an overrun. Yeah, this is and, a Squaresoft game, right? Or Enix? Yes. It, that's pretty funny then that their enormous cinemas would kill the game. They're so famous so, for their annoying, enormous cinemas killing the you know user falling asleep while he's watching them. The yep, DS fell so, asleep. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, so you just keep uh, opening and closing it, and you can get through the intros. Um, it's an it's a really odd game. Like it kind of a little bit. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of DDR or something like. The top half of the screen you're doing button presses and at the same time on the bottom half with a different character you're doing stylus swipes to do damage and it's it's a really bizarre battle system that has you controlling two people simultaneously to win the battle and it's a very strange story it seems to be the idea that there's some kind of game being played in the society that normal people can't see where there are these like, like monster frogs running around that you have to kill, and before a certain day comes, or like you die, <laughs> or something to that effect. Like it's really weird, but it's it's cool. Like I like to see super quirky stuff kind of make it over here like this. Um, but I've like I said, I've had a myriad of issues. Like I've had save issues with the game, and like it just it really is finicky to get to work with the M3 card and I don't know if you know the investment is super worth it but it's definitely a extremely unique experience so I mean it, yeah, I do it has recommend a sort of, the download uh, it has like a Jetsa radio um, look to it and it's isn't it uh isn't it a Kingdom Hearts designer I'm pretty sure possibly I don't know it's very uh like but 2D not 3D looking. yeah it's it's um yeah, it doesn't like look super thick like, black lines on everything, and mm -hmm. it doesn't look like a cloud squall type of guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's it's a cool game though. I mean, I just I don't know if I'd pay for it, but stealing it seems well, to be I, I know problematic you too. For it. 
<laughs> would I'm you, saying would it. you play it to completion if it didn't crash? Uh, I don't know, like, because what really bugs me is that it dropped my save, and there's no way to skip the intro. So, like, to to go play it again, I've got to have reset through the intro and re okay through all the help and all the tutorials mm, and get back to good. where I had saved. So it's like it really sucks that you can't skip any of that. I hate games where you can't skip any of that. It kills the replay value hardcore. Well, a lot of them, if, and once you've beaten it, it does let you skip them. There are games yeah. But what like if, that. what if you don't have the save anymore? What if you're just playing it again much later? Well, you know, normally that would mean that you had another copy of the game entirely, since normally and they're not, you know, they don't give a shit if it ruins your experience on a flashcard. They're like, fuck you. I hope it ruins your experience. <laughs> That's probably what yeah. they think. Well, I mean, it would it would ruin it even if uh, you know I hadn't played it for a while or if I lost battery and didn't save. Like it would, I don't know. Just let me skip intros and tutorials. God damn, god damn it. Well, they should they should make it uh, something where you know you can do it, but if it's in like a forty five minute cinema, they should some little thing should show up saying, well, it's not "Are you sure you want to skip the anything. intro?" It's, because skipping it by it takes accident about, sucks. It probably takes it about 15 minutes, I'd say, to get to where I would need to get to again. Mm-hmm. I'd have to sit there for 15 minutes messing with it, opening, closing can, my DS, can you, can and hitting you, okay. Uh, I guess you can since it's a DS. I was going to say, can you pause the intros? Because that's the new thing now since Metal Gear Solid 4. It's like, we're going to make movies so long that you will have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> While they're, and while they're going, so we've allowed you to pause the movies. Yeah, I'm Thank not God. a Metal Gear fan. <laughs> I I just not a fan of the series at all. Like, didn't beat the second or third or fourth one. Uh, the first one was really cool. It was really unique and really kind of arcadey and and awesome. And I bought the second one, and everyone told me it sizzled. And it is still in the original shrink on my shelf to this day. Well, it's worth about never seven dollars. You should sell it to me. I'll buy it to you. Buy it from me for seven dollars. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Like I paid, you know, the fifty dollars for it. And yeah, and yeah. Like well, it's, everyone it's been a greatest it hits me. for three years. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone's like, this game is terrible. Blah blah blah. So it's still there in the original shrink. Yeah. Well, like I don't think it's terrible. I just think that it's not for everybody. Right, and now it's on PS2, which is a system I don't even touch anymore. Oh. My PS2 is a, a dust bowl. Well, la ti frickin' da. Because all I do is pretty much stick to my 360 and DS and Wii. So um, PS2 has kind of fallen to the wayside for me. I've got news if you don't have anything else. Um, the other game that I have played for the DS is uh, Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword. Mm, yeah. Which, like, you know, you've probably heard the hype about the game, and it's pretty true. Like, it it is one of the most surprising experiences that it doesn't suck. Like, it's shocking in the fact that it doesn't suck. One thing I like about it is, like, all the cutscenes and everything are hand-drawn anime instead of that shitty Team Ninja hmm, 3D cool. cutscenes. Like... So that's cool because that's Team cool because Ninjas, the 3D cutscenes on DS aren't quite as amazing as the Xbox ones. Well, I mean, even in general, the ones on Xbox are pretty stupid anyway. Like, you know, I, I'd rather have nice 2D yeah, art to so look at. I. So 
I, I do recommend it for that reason. It works pretty well. It's, uh, I mean, you're definitely going to get uh, a wrist workout that doesn't involve triple X porn for the first time in your life because it's lots and lots and lots and lots of slashing and scribbling and tapping like rapid fire as thousands of enemies are jumping into the screen at all times, all of them chucking crap at you and... <laughs> You know, it's a Ninja Gaiden game. It's a Ninja, game. There's yeah. Nothing, ninja, Ninja. Nothing, <laughs> nothing surprising about a Ninja Gaiden game requiring lots of frantic movement. But, uh, so it's cool, you know, it's repetitive, but if you want, like, a good action game to take around, I mean, I would say it's the best one on DS, probably. Like, I can't think of too many, like, action beat-em-up games that are any good on the DS. And I'm probably going to chastise myself later when I do think of one, but right now, I mean, Ninja Guy Dragon Sword is probably where it's at. And yeah, if so, I can't think of any either. Yeah. Like, well, I'm sure there it, are. Just... It really works well. It, The guy, for all of his, like, wanting to make the same game over and over again, at least has innovated well with kind of setting the standard for how a DS action game should play. Because every button on the controller is block. Because cool. it's the only button you need. Everything else in the, is done with the screen. From running to jumping to doing combos to, you know, like everything. Everything is done with, with different taps and swipes. And it can get a little frustrating to, like, try and tap a guy and then swipe upwards and downwards real quick to do some special move. Like, you know, that's like the big spinning pile driver thing that, Ryu Hayabusa does to everybody in every game he's ever been in. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a little hard to get some of the motions off, but I think with practice, uh, it wouldn't be any issue. I mean, Ninja Gaiden in general is a game that's usually hard to do the motions for. Uh, they tend to ask you to do some tough jumps and stuff at times, so that's part of the charm of the series, I guess. So, I think that does it for me. I think you can move into... Uh, news for a minute okay um i've got uh, two news things and then i'm pretty much done um one is okay a quick one i'm reading on the bbc you may you may know this is like a big deal for the um science nerd community right now but uh soon we will have a gigantic um particle accelerator uh functional in europe the uh, hadron super collider and uh it's you know designed to smash atoms and figure out what everything's made out of and it's incredibly super duper duper large in fact um let's see how big is it it's 27 kilometers long so um it's big it, it circles the entire city and it's going to smash atoms and turn lead into gold and all that stuff well um a very i thought a very like anime sci-fi type news release came out about this recently and it says that have no fear there is we are the, the existence of planet earth is not at risk because of this device yeah i actually this, read this article yeah and i'm like wow that's incredibly anime like because if it does destroy the planet boy we got a plot going <laughs> um because you think about that when you watch these shows you know like the public was assured that the uh the shizuma drive was this you know savior of humankind but in fact it was its bane and on all this. Uh, yeah, this is uh, the European Organization for Nuclear Research says that there is, quote, no conceivable danger. 
But it's just yeah, so well, funny because like, I didn't realize it even could be danger. And now they're telling you, don't worry, there's no danger. I'm like, wait a minute, danger? <laughs> What's really awesome is it even has the guy that's always like, I told you it would be a problem because there's a guy that's trying to like legally block yeah, it from yeah. being created. And mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy when everything goes to hell. He's going to be like, I warned them. Yeah, he's the what has science done? In real life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the stage is set. For the awesome anime like end of whatever. Yeah. Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Because what they're talking about is is making micro black holes. And the concept you know, if you think about black holes, you think, well, what's the chances that if once you make a micro black hole, that it won't continue to add mass to itself and continue to grow and continue to engulf the entire solar system, you know. It's a little far fetched, but not insane by any means to understand that possibility and uh, <laughs> that's freaky <laughs> well they're just going to use the micro black holes to solve the garbage problem oh compact it <laughs> compact it to a subatomic <laughs> level the good news is we've got rid of all the earth's garbage the bad news is it weighs as much of the earth and it's going to be very difficult <laughs> to get rid of it <laughs> um, the bad news everyone is irrevocably attracted towards the Hadron Collider at all times <laughs> Please wear these safety straps to, we'll have to lean bolt yourself to the planet. Europe. Uh, the other thing, this is um, uh, when I was a kid, when I used to get this uh, model kit catalog from California called Cosmic Connection, one of the kits in there, and this was back in the day, 1983 perhaps, um, there was a series of kits called SF and 3D, or SF3D, or something like that. And what they were was like, they were robot suits, but they were like super realistic looking. Like they look kind of like uh, bomb suits or gym suits or something like that. So that, um, and basically they were designed by this uh, guy who used to work for Hobby Japan back in the day, the super magazine. And he built all these kits from scratch by using uh, kits of military type stuff, like World War II kits and uh, deep sea diver suit kits and stuff like that and he'd make these like hyper realistic future military type suits and vehicles and stuff like that and uh originally they were all scratch built just for the magazine and these specific articles but then eventually hobby japan went on and like manufactured them in mass as uh, plastic injection kits and then what happened was there was some sort of a falling out between the guy that created it and hobby japan and they stopped making the kits and it moved into like garage kit only status for for a long time before it came back and was named uh machining krieger because the sf3d name is owned by hobby japan well recently it's been announced somebody hasegawa or bandai or somebody is going to be re-releasing and retooling the ancient uh sf3d kits from 25 years ago uh, which is pretty cool. It's kind of an old school kind of a thing, but it's an interesting uh, concept, this SF3D machine and Krieger thing, because it's like this supremely underground, hardcore Oda-only thing that's been going on for a long time. There is no animated show. There's no comic. There's no role-playing game. There's nothing. It's just a series of models. There were a few pages of a comic a long time ago, that appeared in Hobby Japan, but it wasn't anything like you could buy a 600-page manga or anything. Um, so I thought that was pretty uh, cool. I'll let you know if I ever get my hands on one or if they actually come out, because there's a sort of like a precedent for e- uh, 
economic disaster that follows Machine Krieger and where it goes. So it could possibly not come out. Yeah, I'm we'll looking see. at um, pictures of these things right now. Like, they're very reminiscent of some show that I can't remember. Like, you know, like they all have the very bulbous bodies with like the big front, like the big hatch on top that actually you know that the kind of reminds me of uh, SF Big Wars, the movie. Uh, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, also, um, yeah, there is another show that kind of looks like because I think it's inspired other anime because of its designs. Yeah, it's definitely reminiscent. I mean, look it up. You know, we'll have it in the show notes. But man, I can't remember what show this looks exactly like. But there is a show with like bulbous bodied, top hatched mecha that this guy uh, either was the inspiration for or got his inspiration from. Hard to say. Either way, um, the only other thing I would like to mention before we close down shop is uh, I did get my grubby hands on Call of Duty 4. And, of course, you know, it's what you would expect. It's a military first-person shooter. But I haven't really heard enough praise for the single-player and I would just like to really mention that the story mode of Call of Duty 4 really set a new standard for FPS storytelling as far as I'm concerned. Like, it's one of the most engrossing and entertaining um, first-person games I've ever played. Like, it really, it really impressed me with some of the things they pulled off. Like, the, the biggest way that you know that you're, you're seeing something cool is when you're in a first-person game and there's a level and there's no combat because you're just looking at whatever amazing thing is going on so I was pretty impressed with it I think it's it's good I mean I'm sure people are gonna jump down my throat and tell me that Half-Life does a much better job but I mean I like Call of Duty cause it's believable and kind of tells a story about war and conflict and shows you a little bit of from both sides and it seemed it seemed pretty pretty good. So, Call of Duty Four single player good, multiplayer of course you know it's a big multiplayer game. The odd part is no one really ever mentioned this to me, but Call of Duty Four plays a lot like an RPG. Like, you start as a level one, you gain XP, you unlock better weapons, and you unlock like attachments for the weapons, and after that you start unlocking like colors for the weapons, and <laughs> you have to do like things to get experience like kill people while crouching kill people while lying down kill someone that's standing next to a car and blow up the car like you know so it's really your mission isn't doesn't always just run in there and shoot people as efficiently as possible sometimes you want to do unconventional ways of killing them to get more experience can you get and, like a plus one m16 uh, kind of. You can unlock a perk called Stopping Power, which adds extra damage to your M16, yes. Wow. Like, you can unlock a perk called Martyrdom when whenever you're shot, you drop a grenade at your feet and blow up. <laughs> or uh, one called Last Stand, whenever you get shot, you fall to the ground and pull out your pistol as you're bleeding to death and can pop off a few shots before you die. And I've actually gotten a lot of kills from that. Someone shoots me, I fall to the ground, pull out my pistol, and shoot them back. <laughs> so we're both lying dead on the ground next to each other. Like it's 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 a it's kind of cool. It's a lot more RPG than I expected. Very it tickles my you know level up grind like get the next equipment 
feature of my brain that, you know, games like Castlevania do. Where it's not an RPG, but, you know, you're sitting there, like, using a weapon that's not very good because you're trying to level it up mm -hmm. over and over again and keep killing guys that aren't very fun to kill sometimes or are very challenging to kill with this crappy weapon you have because they're worth a lot of experience. That kind of thing. So it, it definitely was surprising to me that it's much more of that and a lot less of just jump in and kill people. You know? So that's all I gotta say. I mean, obviously, if you're on the fence about Call of Duty 4, maybe that will sway you either way. Um, other than that, I think I'm ready to cue the outro. Do it. Uh, <laughs> I need to do outro. <laughs> um, yeah. That was jam-packed with content and excitement. It was. I think so. Yeah. Hey. Don't forget to go to GameFaceRadio.com and click ball get the top and leave comments about this episode. Let us know that you're out there. I mean, we get, you know, hundreds of downloads for each episode. Oh, by the way. But by the way, no comments. I'm on Twitter. Okay, so if you want to know when Zeta's taking a crap, now you can. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I put that on the blog there. but uh, yeah. Indeed. So uh, this is only our third episode of 2008. <laughs> Hopefully uh, people enjoy it. And uh, GameFaceRadio.com. Leave us a comment. Review us on iTunes. It helps with our rankings. And uh, we appreciate you stopping by. Later. We're out.